these youngsters drove industry, went out and then bought the fastest things they could afford, mm-hmm. which in the UK was a motorbike. The only speed limit across the UK was 30 mile an hour in town. Outside of town, go as fast as you like. Right. Arterial roads, no speed limit. And that combination of increasingly powerful motorcycles and motor vehicles, no training, no speed limits. Of course, youngsters would gather at places like this, fast stretches of road, crowds of them, you know, 18, 25 of them, roar out of here, three in hospital, two dead, all in a normal night's racing, as it were, on the roads. Completely nuts. When you're young, you, you think of today and tomorrow yeah. and the thrill of the moment. Michael Radio Broadcast advises safety at all times. Discusses underage riding, but celebrates the spirit of motorcycling. And how? Seventh episode of the Biker Radio Broadcast, India's exclusive podcast on motorcycling stories, featuring heroic riders, legendary mechanics, and iconic brands, narrated by members of the community, one legend at a time. I'm Shandy, and I'm Sunny. So before we kick off our show, we have mostly brought to you episode after episode of people stories and riders mostly. Some of who are also legendary mechanics, designers, and even restorers. We have also featured the occasional special on a raid the Himalaya, the rider mania, or one focusing on independence. And there was also one on ghost stories. Absolutely. If you want to listen to it, go back to episode number seven. So we've also promised to bring to you stories of iconic brands, and today we embark upon doing just that. Since 1938. Growing up with motorcycling as it came to age in Britain, this institution has always been an icon. It's a people's courtyard of petrol heads across brands, makes and vintages. It has even served as the courtroom where the latest rock and roll was publicly accessible on a jukebox. The Cathedral of the Rebel on the A406 Upper Circular Road on the fringe of London town, the Ace Cafe London. It's a place where you don't count calories or cholesterol, but you lube up your soul with a breakfast menu on offer all day long. It's a place to hang out, meet up regulars and visitors from all over the motorcycling globe who congregate 365 days a year to celebrate God knows what. Internal combustion maybe? That is the only possibility. You could drink tea all day long or if you like wash down your meal with a cold beer as you soak in the happenings in this iconic pilgrimage destination. Yes. But above all pujas in India, 
the one that is perhaps the most important and ranks the highest among every devotee is the Pet Puja. And that is exactly where we would like to start. So our first brand icon is the Ace Cafe in London and we spoke extensively with the owner and makeover artist of this heritage institution who still thinks that his biggest challenge is the occasional eggshells that end up in his omelettes. <laughs> Please welcome footballer at heart and now retired former member of the Royal Mounted Police Force of London, motorcycle tour organizer, owner of the iconic Ace Cafe, Mark Wilsmore. Welcome to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Welcome to the Long Way Home. Our privilege to play host to you guys. It's terrific. What a brilliant day. I mean, it's we never expected it to be just the way it is. Clear blue skies. No, no. When I woke up this morning, I wasn't expecting it either. <laughs> well, you thought it was a dream or something? I thought it was going to be, yes. <laughs> and I was expecting dreary overcast. This, this place rain. is a dream in itself. Tell us all about it. Where does the dream start? Well, I guess it starts in 1938 with a chap who opened it, a fellow named Vic Edenborough. Okay. And it's 1938 when it all fully opened, but it's part of the great building boom that took place between the wars, the First War and that Second World War. There was a huge expansion of London and its suburbs. Uh-huh. At that same time, the government embarked on a road construction program, okay. building what were then the new arterial roads. Yes. Uh, it's like spokes coming out of London. Correct. Uh, as um, motor-driven traffic was on the increase. Mm. And one of those then new arterial roads was this road immediately outside the building here, the A406, the North yes. Circular Road. Mm-hmm. The purpose of that road, in essence, is, if you figure London, is... Um, perhaps one of the busiest ports in the world. So you've got goods coming in and out of Port of London. Right. Require transporting perhaps up to the Midlands, the, right. the industrial heart of Britain. And this is all being moved increasingly by vehicles. It's almost like a ring yeah. around London yeah. before it hits off country. Yeah. So what is it about uh, this location? This, that, this uh, specific this location, what, 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 what happened is you've got effectively the stretch of North Circular Road here runs in essence, east-west, mm-hmm. and 50 yards north of that, you've got the River Brent running east-west. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the developer who built the industrial estate um, had this slither of land right. between the river and the road, right. Right. Okay. with which he knew not what to do. Uh-huh. But chap Vic Edinburgh came along with a, this idea of opening a cafe, a filling station, motor showrooms, motor workshops something similar to what today we see as our motorway services. Mm. Okay. And of course, was quickly followed by the outbreak of war here in Europe, mm. which then gave rise to foreign visitors coming mm-hmm. one day in um, November 1940, mm-hmm. who were determined to destroy all the railway bridges immediately to the east of the cafe. Right. Very important railway bridges, but they missed. Okay. And they flattened the base <laughs> and all the buildings along <laughs> here, which, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, you can say, thank goodness they did that, because those earlier buildings, totally different style, mm. and the place functioned and throughout those war years in temporary buildings. 
to include um, the manufacture in some parts of the building mm-hmm. of aircraft components and okay. all that. Uh, it always was the Ace Cafe? Yeah. yeah. And it was Ace Services, the Ace Motor Showrooms, everything along here was Ace. Okay. Hi, my name's Mark Willsmore from Ace Cafe Ace London Ace on Biker Radio Rodcast. Welcome back to our first brand icon story in motorcycling history where we are featuring London's iconic Ace Cafe. I'm Shandy. And I'm Sunny. And we're in conversation with the owner and managing director of the Ace Cafe in London, Mark Willsmore, who in his later 60s rides his Red Triumph Street Triple every day to work. After the Nazi air bomb was missed the adjoining critical rail yard, flattening the Ace inadvertently, in 1949, the A's got rebuilt into a very modern building. And as Mark put it, the architecture style was streamlined modern, yeah. reflecting modernism instead of the usual Victorian and Tudor styles, which were popular around those times. So in 1949, with the war now over, and with the need to rebuild the country and the economy, the greasy spoon that was the Ace Cafe relaunched itself and quickly shot up the infamy charts. We asked Mark about life in Britain post the wars. The times must have been very difficult. Tough times, for sure. Uh-huh. But it chimed with a circumstance which saw the biggest demographic explosion ever, okay. in the Western world at least, of youngsters in vast numbers mm-hmm. being born and um, finding themselves with work and a little bit of money. Yeah. They also had a legislation on the side with the advent of credit, known as hire purchase, where you could buy something for, let's say, 10 10 shillings, but you'd pay a shilling a month or something. These youngsters drove industry, went out and then bought the fastest things they could afford, Mm -hmm. which in the UK was a motorbike. In America, it was a car. Certainly here at that time, the only speed limit across the UK was 30 mile an hour in town outside of town go as fast as you like right. arterial roads no speed limit okay that combined together with you know, 17 you could go to the post office get your provisional license just fill in the form provided you had a l plate you could ride any bike you like mm-hmm. and that combination of increasingly powerful motorcycles and motor vehicles no training no speed limits of course youngsters would gather at places like this fast stretches of road jukeboxes and uh, you know I'll race you up to the next junction uh-huh. and there's carnage on the roads absolute carnage eventually that does come to notoriety the figures get to something like 13,000 a year being killed on the roads and there'd be crowds of them you know, 18, 25 of them roar out of here three in hospital, two dead all in a normal night's racing as it were <laughs> on the roads completely nuts <laughs> When you're young, you you think of today and tomorrow and the thrill of the moment. But come 61, a new weekly tabloid publication came out. And that very first edition, had a huge success, came out on that Saturday morning. And its front cover was three youngsters photographed in here with a sort of headline caption, the Tun-Up Creed, live fast, love hard, die young. And quite coincidentally, that same evening, enormously popular drama series on the BBC called Dixon of Doc Green. It's ostensibly about a policeman, PC Dixon, played by 
an actor called Jack Warner, mm-hmm. who would have been a face that everybody in this country recognised, saying, girls don't run away from home, okay. crime doesn't pay. Or, right. you know, there's always a, there's a moral message to every programme. Uh-huh. And that evening's episode was called The Burn Up. Then the show unfolds, and another matinee idol racing along the bypass. Okay. And girlfriend falls off, gets killed, coroner's caught, etc., etc. Where are you all riding from? The Ace Cafe. So, Uh, so in this one day, you have all of a sudden put into national conscience. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks later, young Joe's name was John Pilger, just turned up from Australia. Uh And this young fella, I think, saw that program, saw that article. Certainly, he then came here, mm-hmm. photographed people, interviewed them, and then sold his story to the Daily Mirror. Story, front page of the Daily Mirror. The headline on the front page was Suicide Club, oh. and a photo of a bike and a guy whizzing oh. along the road out here. It devours 130,000 a year, and I think this could be said to be his first piece. And the Ace Cafe figured prominently. And the Ace Cafe loomed at large in that. And anybody says about those good old days, yeah, it's all right if you survived. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Keshwar. And you're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. So we'll take a short break here from our documentary of the Ace Cafe London with Mark Wilsmore, the owner playing historian for the benefit of Biker Radio Broadcast. Another person surviving out there and we're glad to report that he's managed to get out of the Chilean civil disobedience, particularly in Santiago, is our mate Rohit Subramaniam, aka Misfit Magellan, which is his Instagram moniker. So Rohit is traveling across South America and will be living there for, as Sarat said, probably a couple more years at least. No one knows. I don't think even Rohit knows. No, but he's going to do North America also after that. So two, two okay, years. So, Bantai. Uh, Bantai. So anyone who wishes to explore South America and get some in-depth knowledge before making that journey, please look up Misfit McGellan on Instagram. Yes, he does look a bit like a castaway, but here he is for the broadcast with a My Way from Santiago before he moves on to Patagonia. My Way. Hello to all the listeners of Biker Radio Broadcast. This is Rohit Subramanian, live and direct from Santiago, Chile, where the scene doesn't look that great at the moment. May is when Sukesh Vishwanathan, who was traveling with me, left. And uh, ever since, I've been to all of Peru, Bolivia, and now in um, Chile and Argentina, riding down all the way to Ushuaia in the next two months. Went to Machu Picchu four times, or five. Did a lot of hiking, wandered a lot in the back roads of Chile, Peru and Argentina. It's uh, extremely amazing to travel across these countries. Bolivia has been magical. The salt flats was amazing. I was um, riding alone and I met this Brazilian guy riding a Hayabusa and we just exchanged bikes. So a Yamaha 250 got exchanged for a Hayabusa. It was fun. Uh, (laughs) Scary, but fun. It was always a childhood dream to do that. In Bolivia, there's a lot of fuel problems. So you don't get fuel if you have a foreign number plate motorcycle. So I had to carry extra fuels wherever I can. And whenever I found a fuel station, I have to like top up as much as I can. Made it to Chile. Chile is super big from north to south. But east to west is super small, like 300 kilometers from east to west. But north to south is like 3,000, 4,000 kilometers. So riding all the way from the Bolivian border in towards uh, Santiago, 
took me like a week but there's literally nothing nice it was just desert all throughout the way once i reached santiago it was a protest here the protest is because um the government uh, has increased the price of the metro by 10 cents uh, one way yeah it just exploded the students started uh, protesting against that so uh, it also accumulated to a bunch of other things where like number of working hours that was brought up the pension for like elderly people came into picture and it just started building up and uh, it's kind of like an emergency situation here right now uh, there's a curfew every day from 6:00 in the evening to like 6:00 in the morning the protest is getting intensified in the center so i'm little away from the center basically like 4 kilometers from the center i also happened to be in the middle of the protest for a few days uh, to see what's happening it was unimaginable i mean i've never seen anything like this uh, even back in india little difficult to enter chile at the moment uh, from bolivia at least so a lot of burnt supermarkets burnt petrol stations burnt down metro stations buses around here so in this side of the town which is like 4 kilometers from the center uh, everything looks normal during the day people go to work people take care of things at another day but uh, when it gets to the other side it just gets crazy my plan is to leave santiago at least on monday uh, after diwali because this is the only place where you get nice masala dosa so i'm just spending my time with filter coffee and masala dosa in santiago before i head down to patagonia which is uh, going to be 60 days is the plan to make it to ushuaia so it's going to be two more months riding all the way down to patagonia and then towards buenos aires and then paraguay uruguay and then towards brazil which would technically be the end of south america and then i plan up to head to central and then to north so another year and a half in my opinion left to finish the whole road trip i left last november from india to start this journey and um, it's going to be november in a few days so super excited my hair is growing really long and uh, so is my uh, beard um going to keep giving you guys regular updates of what's happening and how it's going here until then stay safe stay tuned my way So Mr. Magellan there with a road report on his 2 year long exploration of the American continent. By the way, he is doing this without money. How? Is a podcast episode that is coming up soon on the Biker Radio podcast. Now Rohit is already traveling through the deserts of Patagonia right now and that was a dream that Vijay Parmar had voiced at the end of the 20th raid the Himalayas, remember? But Patagonia is no match or patch compared to what the triumph adventure trail to zanskar led by the man himself achieved there is a trailer out there but it's frustratingly short yeah and we can't wait for the final cut by the way you too can feature on my way with your whatsapp audio recorder send us your ride report from the road to 89202 time now to get back to our showcase on this special episode the ace cafe london You listening to the Michael Radio podcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hi, my name's Mark Willsmore. More, more from Ace Cafe London, London, London. on Biker Radio podcast. So the Ace Cafe London is the real McCoy of motor cafe culture in post-war London. It has been witness to not only the history of motorcycling culture in Britain over the years but it has also played a loud part in shaping the British music soundscape as well. American soldiers brought along with them the tunes that had their country rocking and rolling. Music that British radio and nightclubs just refused to broadcast. Rock and roll was the epiphany for the youth and they could just not have enough of it. 
So we took a walk down motorcycling and music history on the long way home with Mark Wilsmore, the managing director and chief troubleshooter for the Ace Cafe in London, and asked him to familiarize us with terms like mods and rockers and teddy boys. The infamous fights between them that the British press had a field day with. Hearing it from Mark was a first-hand ringside view of those historic and eventful early years. So a lot of our listeners don't know what a mod or a rocker is. Could you explain uh, that? Right. Well, there's so many terms that have been ascribed to youngsters sure. through the ages. Right. And um, these, amongst them is mods and rockers. Where it comes from is, again, that post-World War II period, baby boom, and those first kids who benefited mm. from the end of rationing around 53. Mm-hmm. Tough times, but cloth came off rationing. Right. And the moment cloth came off rationing, spend more money. I've got money. So longer coats, longer jackets. Oh. Rubber comes off rationing. So rubber soled shoes. Right. Crepe rubber. Right. And this look was ascribed the term teddy boy, a throwback to the Edwardian age. Okay. Mm. Flamboyant waistcoats. It was showing mm. off wealth, uh-huh. showing right. off that we've got money. Uh-huh and that would be spent on new suits, new yeah. shoes, okay. every week. Okay. Okay. And the press coined the term Teddy Boys. Uh-huh. And of course, 14 years old, 1953, 54, ah, oh, I'm a Teddy Boy, how have I got to have my hair? How have I got to have my jacket? Oh, it's got to be long, it's got to have velvet collar, right. etc. flamboyance. But then as the next generation is a little wealthier, they can afford a motorbike and it's gonna, and of course, Youngsters are not going to join the Ealing and District Motorcycle Club. They're not joining the Trump <laughs> owners motorcycle. These are all old retired army people and boring old people. Um, so they meet at cafes and they start putting badges on from the makes of bikes they like or the okay. places they go to. Uh-huh. 56, a, a new music comes and that music comes from America. Uh-huh. And that music is called rock and roll. It comes from America. It comes with the servicemen here. There's hundreds of thousands of US servicemen stationed here. Mm-hmm. It comes out of the ports with merchant seamen are bringing it back from okay. overseas okay. and it gets onto jukeboxes. Radio shows aren't playing it. There's no TV shows playing it. There's no nightclubs playing it. It first comes into jukeboxes. The kids love it. And you've got jukeboxes are in cafes. Kids hear this new music and get it in their heads. Oh, it's form a band but they can't make that same sound as in America because they don't have the same guitars. They don't have the same amps, etc. So a unique sound comes out of that, known as British beat. Mm-hmm. And this chimes with that moment where kids are buying bikes, so rock and roll gets wrapped up mm-hmm. with motorcycling right. in the mid to late 50s. And this term is then ascribed to these youngsters because of what they want to achieve on these bikes is 100 mile an hour, right. the, the ton, the ton up. The ton up. Motorcycle Press is writing about these youngsters who don't really go anywhere on their bikes. Right. They're simply cafe racers. Right. And of course, these terms of contempt are immediately adopted by the kids as a term of identity right. and something that they're proud of and are left to us, as it were, in history as yet, yeah, the ton up here of the cafe racer bike Naturally, it all starts as a a word of disdain and contempt from broader society. Mm -hmm. But as ever, the the next generation, towards the end of the 50s, there's 
the moment that Elvis is in the army, Buddy Holly has died, and this little explosion of British beat music, as okay. it's termed, which eventually gets swallowed up by Mersey Beat, okay. Beatles, etc. Okay. Carnaby Street has started to flourish. Another generation who can't ride bikes over 250cc. Right. The laws have changed. Okay. So they're spending their money on a new music that's also coming from America, and that's called blue, R&B. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, not rock and roll, mm-hmm. it's a new sound. And these kids, and their aspiration is middle class, and they're spending the money every week on new clothes, mm. the latest styles, the latest fashions. Mm. And they're termed by the press modernists. Mm. They're the modernist generation. Mm. And we've got frothy coffee machines that have right. come from Italy. Italian style is held in high regard. Right. Italian style shoes, Italian style suits. Right. And the Italian scooter manufacturers realise that their machines are under 250cc oh. and chime with this new Little. 60s generation oh, yeah, yeah. and pitch big time at them. And of course the kids love these things, scooters, Lambrettas, Piaggio, Vespers. Vespers. So you get to 64 is the sort of moment of notoriety where for the weekend holidays kids would gather in places just like this and, and figure out what you're doing, where are we going, what are we going to do, you've got a weekend off, blah blah blah. Well from here, hour and a half effectively down to the south, you've got Brighton. Uh-huh. Right. Hour and a half east of here, you've got South End, you've got the seaside resorts. Right. And these kids for the first time ever have got their own means of transport. Right. The, the kids right. for the Second World War, if they want to go to the seaside, they're going to have to get a bus or a right. train. Yeah. But now you've got all got their own means of transport. Thousands of kids hit the seasides mm. to the surprise mm. of the towns mm-hmm. who are immediately, Never oh my God, where they really all come from? What are they all doing here? Yeah. They've gone yeah. into alarm and whatnot. And there's, without doubt, there's punch-ups between right. these modernist kids dressed smartly, typically wearing a cheap ex-army parker over the top to protect the very expensive and fancy clothes Check underneath, and the guys on the bikes the tunnups on the bikes and the press come up with the phrase rockers okay. and from that moment you've got okay. the black leather jacket yeah. is the rocker this is uh, Gene Vincent and Elvis yeah. the mod in his parker terms that the press ascribe to a youth scene and the, that scene the kids in it then go yeah I'm one of them or yeah. right. I want to be now, kids don't sit around at school going, oh, we're, we're a new scene, what should we call ourselves? <laughs> it, it, it's the wider society that yeah, gives them the label. Right. The kid goes, yeah, I want to be one of them. How have I got to have my hair? What have I got to wear? What have I got to listen to? <laughs> they something, they've got something to belong to that's theirs. Uh, so that's where mods and rockets come from. So in the 1950s, the British motorcycling industry was on top gear. And on our visit to the National Motorcycle Museum outside Birmingham, revealed as many as 166 brands. The mayhem of easy credit, insufficient safety legislation and an addiction to adrenaline was beginning to devastate young, impressionable minds. And around the same time, a clergyman named Reverend Bill Shergold decided to work with these youngsters. And quite unlike repressive British society, Reverend Bill's non-judgmental relationship with the youngsters endeared him and he became quite a magnet 
for motorcyclists. So much that the 59 Club, aka Niners, that they had formed went on to become the largest motorcycle club ever in the world. Even royalty, led by Princess Margaret, who was assigned to work with the youth, decided to attend a Cliff Richard show organized by the Nines. The youth found Progressive Sanctuary and the Nines are still around even today. The journey of youth culture in Britain was especially significant because of the stunning young demographics in post-war Britain and a marketplace that was seducing youngsters with consumerism. Young people with disposable incomes, a mind of their own and fragile identities made up the perfect tinderbox ready to be lit and the media was there to do the honours. As always, feeding into the insecurities of the older lot. Sounds a bit like the India of today. So 1959 was a significant year also for the reason that a new motorcycle changed the equation on the street and so did a people's car. Not the Beetle. But here's Mark's history lesson of the summer of 1959. Hi, my name's Mark Willsmore from Ace Cafe London, London, on the long way home. home, home. Vic Edinburgh started it all, very successful, very popular, very, very, very busy. Things change with the passage of time and a couple of moments being illustrated with 1959. That is the year that sees the peak of bike sales in the UK. Okay. And they're being sold to kids, youngsters. Okay. But in 1959, famously, a bike came out called the Triumph Bonneville. Right. Mm-hmm. Revolutionary. Two right. cylinders. Each cylinder had a carburetor. Mm-hmm. That meant in environments as, such as London, you stop-start from traffic light to traffic light, Bonneville, with its soft engine those two power brokers it'll be first away from the lights every time hugely popular bike and all the drama and that of America wrapped up with the name Bonneville and Johnny Mm. Allen's speed record and all that that same year a car came out that changed everything as well Mm. and that car was cheaper than the top bikes (laughs) the car's called the Mini and the Mini sets the new standard I would say or the new norm it's followed by other manufacturers with a similarly placed um, car so you get to the stage where by 1969 something like a third of households had a car right motorcycle sales gone you know if you're, if you're 17 18 in this country the weather etc yeah you want your own wheels but a girl is going to get in a car right if it's raining she's not going to get want to get on a boat or a scooter right. she'll get in a mini it's car sales take off <laughs> And by 1969, there's huge numbers of cars being owned. Umbrellas didn't work? <laughs> not on a motorbike, not very well, no. no. <laughs> so, so the chap by then, this Vic Edinburgh, he decided, I think it turned 70, to sell each piece of this ace, as it were, okay. off. So he sold the filling station, he sold etc., okay. and he sold the cafe. The people who bought the cafe, apparently within two weeks, they had stripped it out, removed all the windows, okay. added the concrete ramp that's still there to this day, and turned it into a tyre fitting depot. Mm. Oh. And it's plainly because of the commercial imperative selling tyres to all these hundreds of thousands of new cars that are on the road. People mm. want tyres. So that's where the cafe closed, 69. Mm. 
Okay. Well, thanks to the jukebox, the ace was significant in contributing to the audience of music that was pretty much alien. He watched the music scene closely in the UK unravel itself, picking up influences from across the Atlantic. And he identified with rock and roll himself. He was a rocker and had an amazing essay on the music scene around the time. From Elvis to the Sex Pistols, Billy Joel might just well have written still rock and roll to me for the Ace Cafe. I don't think I'll call the Beatles rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's moving into realms of pop and you know, yeah, Jersey that, beat, but hey-ho. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The music changes, the same as the yes, most absolutely. It's, it, yeah. all, all these things change and move on. And it, each new generation right. comes up with another identity, another, they don't want to dress like their older brother, they don't want to dress like their dad, mm. they're listening to different music, etc., etc. And as you get to um, the 70s and I've certainly got into bikes and whizzing about by then or not going into hospital for repair jobs etc <laughs> the aspiration on my part was the black leather jacket in a British bike oh, right. I'm uh-huh. a rocker I'm like me fast bikes mm. and get more and more immersed into that join this club and that club and get into rock and roll uh-huh. It's Elvis. It's Gene Vincent. It's, okay. It's not ACDC. It's not uh-huh. um, hard rock. Uh-huh. It's rock and roll. And tracks are being played in the clubs of sounds that actually predate '56 and Elvis, right? Mm-hmm. But only came here in the '70s. The okay. Guys okay. having just like the guys did in the '60s. They went out to America. They found the original blues stuff. Bring it back right, here. Right, right. The Rolling Stones play it. Ah, new music. Yeah. No, it's not. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Similarly, in the seventies, but that, that was quite a long while for it to just jump the pond. Sure yeah, enough. it was. Yes. And, and in the seventies, people with cheaper flights and whatnot have gone out to America. And they go to the record labels and whatnot, recording studios, and they find recordings of stuff which today we now call rockabilly, okay. which predates Elvis '56 and uh-huh. rock and roll. Uh-huh. This stuff was being played by DJs in the latter part of the 70s over here, and this was a wow music to my mm. then young ears. So you would have older Teddy Boys, older rockers listening mm. to the Elvis, Gene Vincent, if you like, the, the, the traditional stuff mm-hmm. that's regarded as rock and roll, and then this younger crowd, of which I was part of that generation, listening in addition to that, this new to our ears mm-hmm. rockabilly and, and the crowning moment yes. again from my generation and that that sound is 81 and a band mm. called the Stray Cats mm-hmm. who came from America they got nowhere in America mm. came over here and I say got dressed over here mm. and found an audience in my generation mm. wow boom explosion you had them playing on yeah. Sunday yeah I had one of them couldn't afford all of them be lots of pennies. Um, so the upshot there is that what completely passed me by is the punk thing. Oh, uh, you know that's not a bad thing. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know. It was a benefit on sight of listening to it. And, ah, good stuff. You know, Clash and White Riot and oh. all yeah. that. Um, but it completely passed me by yeah. until, let's say, discovering it later, into later. adulthood. Yeah. So you get immersed in, into your, your, your thing, as it were, over here. And again, punk, 
so labelled by the wider society. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and we, as a little nation, throw up all this sort of stuff, and it all comes largely out of London, not all of it. You know, the Beatles had the Mersey sound, you've got Manchester, and its sound pops up here, pops up there, and flourishes across the world. Yes, yeah. yes. Even reggae. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly. Trojan, the label, was founded just over the road here. Really? The you know, post um, Windrush, uh -huh. post-date uh -huh. generation, um, gets adopted by the rest of that generation, not just immigrant people, but also the locals. Ah, great sounds. Yeah. If yeah. you can move to it, it moves you. Yeah. You're listening to the Michael Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. The Ace Cafe in London is a magnet for petrol heads. You don't go there for the food, but hey, it is on the menu. That's right. This is the Ram Leela Maidan for all motorheads. Now, one day you'll have an event for one of the Triumph Vintage Riding Clubs and the next day you might run into an all-Italian car meetup. From Hondas to Ducatis to the Suzukis, we saw dozens of motorcycles and were absolutely surprised to find a Royal Enfield Himalayan. And that was the first bike we saw as we approached the Ace Cafe on the first visit. It was ridden by a gent from Newcastle. We spoke to Ken about his ride. Hello there, I'm Ken. Hi Ken. We walked into this place some time back and the first thing we saw is this, this is Himalayan sitting here. Yes. <laughs> this well, is an Indian MC. motorcycle. Yeah. How long have you had this? I've done about one and a half thousand miles on it. Okay. Um, I've just been to France on it. Okay. It's fine. It's a small engine, yeah. four hundred and eleven cc, but it can sit comfortably at motorway speeds. Um, great economy. Um, yes, of course. You know, and it's well made. Yeah. It's well made. Built like a gun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Royal Enfield, yeah. Yeah. all good manufacturers. How long have you been coming here? Um, I've been coming here six years. I come down for a rockers reunion. Oh, yeah. Um, it's normally the first weekend every September. Yeah. And you get hundreds here. They put yeah. rock and roll bands yeah. on. And you get the old Caffrey's motorcycles. Great. Sometimes I come down on a 50-year-old... Um, uh, Norton Dominator, okay. which is Caffreyser from Newcastle, okay, so. which uh, which is fun. How long does it take? It's about five to six hours from Newcastle. We we'll have a couple of stops on the way down. This time we stop once in Yorkshire, once it's Watford Gap, and then we're here. You know, uh, what's the ride like from there? It's boring because don't it's, tell me it's it's all on motorways. <laughs> the best roads for motorcycling yeah. are. The back roads, yes. you know. But don't you have them? Yeah, we've got loads. Where I come from in uh, Northumberland, okay. the roads are great for motorcycling, okay. you know. Not much traffic on them. It's right on the Scottish border. Okay. It's a most northerly... <laughs> That's um, pretty much the average conversation anywhere. if you're hanging around the Ace Cafe parking lot. Well, among others, we also ran into Tony, who is a vintage car trim specialist, a grandfather at 42 and a regular at the cafe every day. And we easily drifted into another conversation about the cafe. No, it's a good place. It's yes. a good place. Yes. I come here every night. Every night? Every night. Wow. Yeah, every night. And uh -huh. every night's different. It's never the same night. Uh-huh. It's always something different going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. How long have you been coming here? Three, since 2003. Oh, my God. 15 years. Yeah, something like that. That's a lot of days. Yeah, a lot of days. Every day. Yeah, yeah. 
just finish work and then plop up, see what's going on, mm-hmm. enjoy the evening, and off to home. Nice. Rather than go to your normal pub where they all get drunk and fight and start, yeah, uh-huh. ignore it. Never here have uh-huh. I only seen any fights. Never. It's a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's iconic, you know. It's, yes, yes. It World famous. And where then are I you went from? back. Where only you? down the road. Okay. Six miles down the road. Oh, that's good. So, how long have you been riding? Boy, since I was this big. That's not too big, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I could touch the feet on the floor. Uh huh. That was it. Even before that, probably on a push bike, do you know what I mean? You just start the push bike off, put your feet on the pedals, and off you go. You worry about stopping later. <laughs> that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, unless you get a few, you know, grazes, your, and grazes on and your shin or yeah, yeah. on your knees and your elbows. But even then, that's part of the riding. Because mm-hmm. now you're going to realise, okay, I can't turn that far. Uh-huh. I'll fall off. So right. then you don't go that far. You've learned. Right. What does that say on your arm? Here, that's my daughter's name, Chantel. Oh wow! And then that's my boy's name, Grant. Trudy. Oh, nice. They're older now, though. They're 24 and 22. Okay. You don't look that old. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. yeah. My daughter's 24. She's got a house in Ricelip. Uh huh. My grandchild's three. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, nice. Yeah, very cheers, nice. cheers. Very nice. Yeah, my other boy, he's studying aerospace science in uni. Oh my! So nice. he's doing all right. He's just oh, yeah. finished saving his house deposit, so he's ready to go and buy his house. Oh my! You're nice. not a deal over forty-five, right? No, nope, forty-two. Forty-two, right? But I had kids young. I was eighteen oh, when man. I had my kids. So that was you were married when you were twenty. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, you young. Wait, eh? Nah, nah. <laughs> Why wait? You know what I mean? Uh, Wait, you just make your life harder later. Uh-huh. Yeah, tell <laughs> us <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> You're listening to the Michael Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. So the Ace Cafe in London is a cafe, a bar, and also has a shop that sells everything from memorabilia to books and music. There is also an indoor stage that doubles up as a display area for bikes and scooters being featured. Well, it's a sprawling parking lot, and that is where the congregation gathers in fair weather. I'm Shandy. And I'm Sunny. And on the 47th episode of the Biker Radio Broadcast, our long way home is pretty much to the home of Motorcycling Church of England, the Ace Cafe in London. Back home, it's time now to hear from the Royal Enfield Garage Cafe, the sponsors of the must-not-do list on the Biker Radio Broadcast. And they do that because the Royal Enfield Garage Cafe is the must-do in Goa. And here comes the must-not-do list. Must-not-do. 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 The Must Not Do list is brought to you by the Royal Enfield Garage Cafe, the must do in Goa. You must not buy a Lafroyac in Delhi's duty free. It's probably just a royal stag left out to breathe the Teddy Small. You must not name cyclones after states. Especially when the eye of the storm is looking Nagpur, going Mumbai. You must not use WhatsApp on your phone. Not until you tell Aviv to unsolve Net and Yahoo first. The must not do list is brought to you by the Royal Enfield Garage Cafe. The must do in Goa. 
And you can win a meal for two or rent a bike or even buy accessories and apparel at the Garage Cafe in Goa if you win the must-do contest on the Biker Radio Broadcast website. Where you take a photo of your city or your town's must-do, caption it saying hashtag must-do and name the city or the town that you belong to, tag Biker Radio Broadcast and Royal Enfield Garage Cafe, that is at Biker Radio Broadcast and at Enfield Garage Cafe, Post it on your Instagram account. The post with the highest likes wins. Check out the contest details on our website, bikerradiorodcast.com. Hi, my name is Mark Willsmore from Ace Cafe London, London, London on Biker Radio Broadcast. In 2013, the Ace Cafe celebrated its 75th year of existence. Today, the Ace has become a brand. It is there in Switzerland, in China, in Barcelona, in Spain, and even in Orlando as the world re-engages with everything retro. From men's grooming to furniture, the trend is increasingly to recreate and spin the wheel. Is it spinning the wheel or is it a theme park existence? So we put this question to Sanjay Tripathi at Hero Motor Corp. Now Sanjay is a rocker at heart and loves his Louis leather jackets. He was the person who first told us about the Ace Cafe and we asked him of his impressions. What do you think makes the Ace Cafe London tick? It's like a mecca of motorcycling culture, you know. Yeah. Today, even the culture is there. It has been modernized, but the culture is there. Uh, do you think it's made a comeback? Uh, I think it has made a comeback in a big way. Okay. Uh, why it has made a comeback? Because many of those rockers of the 1960s, although they have got old, but the spirit is alive. The spirit is very much alive and kicking. And yeah. What Mark has done is that he has modernized it. Mm-hmm. So I see, you know, the Superbike Day also, the British Bike Day also, the Italian Bike Day also, the Car Day also, yeah. the German Car Day, the Italian Car Day, the British Car Day, yeah. the Scooters Day. Earlier it was just bikes. Right. So now from bikes, of course, vintage and classic bikes and the original rockers are there. <laughs> the mods are also there. <laughs> yeah, now the mods are also there. They are invited. They are Then there is a huge gang of new modern rockers. So uh. they want to be the rockers. They want to have the original style because that retro thing is big in UK and I think all over the world. That's why these retro bikes are being launched. Yeah. Whether from Triumph or Royal Enfield or from Ducati, all these retro bikes, and they have been very successful. Yes. The Lewis leather jackets and all the people, you know, rock <laughs> Your and roll favorite. music is going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is there. I feel that contra culture movement is still there, very much alive. Hmm. And of course, you, you had a great time there yourself. Yeah. See, I started going to that place in 2009, actually. Okay. I was big into like, you know, the classic and vintage bikes. Yeah. So I used to do a lot of research where it started. Of course, most of these bikes were British bikes. So I wanted to go to a place where it started. Okay. That's how I came in touch with them. So I went there. So Mark was very nice. He explained me. So once you go there, you come to know everything. You were with uh, Royal Enfield at that time. So yeah. So 2012, I joined Royal Enfield. So they were developing that GT, the original GT 535cc. Correct, correct. So I was responsible for the launch of GT. And I thought that there is no better place to launch at the Mecca where everything originated. Right. We launched the GT. Actual press launch of GT happened at Ace Cafe. Correct, correct. I still remember it happened on 9th September 2013. Wow. And we did a ride from Ace Cafe to Brooklyn and from Brooklyn to, you know, Brighton, where the mods and the rockers had that great fight in the 1960s. So I think 
although i've launched number of bikes in in yamaha even the super bikes but i think if you ask me culturally that was the most enriching experience ace cafe is right up there so he's done well hi my name is mark willsmore more from ace cafe london london on biker radio broadcast getting back to the special on the ace cafe in london we couldn't help but notice the varied nationalities of the staff working there through the two days that we visited the cafe so this one is just like the basic one this okay. one has extra mushrooms and tomato this one doesn't have beans but has black pudding and bubble and squeak this one has a hash browns oh okay and a bubble and squeak so i'll just go with the british another british? of the same yeah just the same with brexit looming large where the movement of goods services and manpower will not be as free as it is under the eu we asked mark about how he had seen matters evolve over the many years in the uk that post war moment yeah when the end of empire if you will right 1945 you've had a nation this is perhaps a very english perspective here you've had a nation that had nothing in 1914 yes there's a the hugely wealthy the landed class the industrialists with their yeah. power and wealth yeah a smattering middle class and the bulk of people had nothing right they had to fight for the right to come into unions etc etc right. etc Uh, and that's across the western world mm-hmm. mm. which arguably was a lot better than perhaps the, the masses in the subcontinent yeah a very english perspective here but that's a, 1914 in 1914 all that turns into nationalism and the horror that mm-hmm. unfolds mm-hmm. Uh, and the first round finishes 1918 right and then a couple of decades later round 2 opens yeah and you get to 1945 where the nation arguably the empire if you will but certainly from a I'm saying English perspective again the nation has bled itself mm. money blood and those soldiers come home they've now won the right to the vote they are now going to build as we term it the new jerusalem healthcare decent homes education Uh, and I'm a product of that new Jerusalem or well, I was born into that new Jerusalem it's utilitarian it's egalitarian mm. arguably utopian and civic and civic and I've come into uh, I'll say mature years and you think to, and I tend to think now that actually we're now I'm picking that same society with a view. experiment gone wrong I don't know about experiment gone wrong no I don't know about that I, I wouldn't be I'm not how would you that. how would you pin it but I'd, I'd certainly take the I certainly t- am of the view that we are unpicking mm. the bec- that that was left to us by and fought for mm. by my parents and my grandparents right mm-hmm. and we're now busily recreating a society that they thankfully it's thrown away in 1914 mhm where you have a, a narrow band of people who have extraordinary wealth and power and privilege yeah. and the masses who've got nothing yeah they've got an xbox or a playstation or something to keep you think that's coming back oh yeah, yeah do i you think so yeah, yeah. not many 
I certainly do think it's coming back. What makes you say that? The, the, the nature of our... In, there's iniquity, and there seems little desire to address iniquity. We'll smudge it, fudge it, but not really, seems to me, get to grips with it. Where the determination... I'm a natural conservative for the small c. Okay. But the determination of um, Bevin and Co. in that post-war moment was to no, this has got to change, and we're going to change it mm. and for the better, mm. for the better, for the many, and for the better. Did that happen? Yes, it certainly okay. did. Okay. Um, my teeth may not be testament to the, the, the best dental care in the world, right? But I, it, it, I, I've had it, I've been educated to an extent that was unheard of right. pre-1914 for people with background of my parents mm-hmm. absolutely unheard of uh, and similarly with, um, and that's for the majority it's not, I'm not an isolated yeah. individual um, you were coming out of school 14 to go to work you were going down mines you were this Inconceivable, you know. Today, right. where where we, we look, we look at um, historic documentaries about the docks. Right. Turn up at the docks, stand there for hours and end right. with a number, hoping you're going to get a bit of work. Mm-hmm. And then, no, we've only want six of you, and there's five hundred people stood out there waiting for work. The rest right. have to go. And that seems to me no different to well, I'm trying to think what it's called here, where there's no guaranteed hours, mm. the casual labour. Right. Uh, no right, we just we nothing. just we just change the label, but it's the same yeah. the same policies in place, but just change the change the change the name. So the full circle, absolutely full circle. And you're not happy about this? No. How how are you going to change it? Will I it don't change? know. I, I, oh, for sure. Yeah. But I do think it only comes change only really comes about when when you have um, a young, motivated genera- generation that's young and motivated, and they need to be the dominant lump. We, we have a young, motivated generation with 70% of our countries below the age of 30. Yeah. And, and there will be changes afoot I as hope so. a consequence. And I'm sure that will be for the better for the many. Mm. There will be individuals who will benefit hugely and there will be some that fall out of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it will be overall for the better. All right, so Mark, thank you so much for being on the long way home with us. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for listening. And thank you for not falling asleep. Uh, (laughs) Real privilege. privilege. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. Do trust your your listeners will enjoy this and will feel inspired to get out onto their two wheels. Be careful out there. If it all does go wrong, get a cup of tea, sit there uh, and reflect. It has wonderful medicinal qualities. Roadside, anywhere. Cups of tea. You can get through it and you can get back home again. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. Hi, my name's Mark Willsmore. More, more. From Ace Cafe London, London, on Biker Radio Broadcast. Yeah, I think that was it. Show some up. Show some up. Brief but very exciting visit to the UK but no but it was absolutely standout of the visit yeah absolutely and uh, you know the time I think we were pretty much saving the best for the last 
जर्मनी Absolutely. You suddenly see those Luftwaffe jackets, you know those bomber jackets, uh-huh. which with the are, big big lapel, with, with the, the big, big lapel, lapel. Uh-huh. and these guys have won the war. They've defeated the Germans, so that is supposed to be the enemy, decidedly the enemy. But if the whole, enemy but, looks good, and if the enemy looks good, why not? There's no harm. <laughs> yeah, right? you just borrow images and icons from wherever you like. Absolutely, humans are the yeah. same everywhere. Right? Yeah. This actually triggers off a little thought about our own country. You know. if if we had the opportunity to look at what is around us we have cafes in each city and each town each kasba oh absolutely yeah there is hamare paas cafe ki cafe hai there is an ace cafe there is multiple ace cafes in every town city and you know we would love to hear and yeah. let us get together and make make a map of our ace yeah start with making a map yeah and then actually let us figure out ways that we can actually make them into destinations and you guys can be part of it yeah so we have our ears open for you guys to tell us where your ace cafes are okay so all you have to do is get on to the website bikeradiorodcast.com uh, if you want to talk to us on whatsapp we have a number out there send us your audio but if you like to write then you want to consider your thought and write an email the address is mail at the rate bikerradiorodcast.com the whatsapp number is 89202766675 are is the 47th episode acha ha we are celebrating each episode 1947 <laughs> coincidental coincidental and we didn't plan this matlab 1947 mein angrez hume chhod ke gaye aur hum 47th episode mein angrez ko wapas le aaye aaja bhai ye hum hi kar sakte hain sir what are we missing i think our old 1000 rupee notes you are i don't know i don't know you seem to have a lot of them i was actually having a conversation at home like was there a 1000 rupee note or a 500 rupee note what was it what was there yeah. i can't remember what was there so it was 1000 rupee there was a 1000 rupee right yeah. and today is actually the anniversary the third anniversary oh my god of being demonetized <laughs> of course remember that 50 din 50 se ek cheez yaad aaya cs santosh oh number 50 number 50 hai yes number 50 unhone shuru kara tha dakar marna in senegal dakar and then they went all the way to south america to southern dakar southern dakar now the dakar is happening in saudi arabia Yeah, can't and wait. We to... even have Laya Sands participating. Oh, that's great! So whoever thought that women couldn't ride or yeah. drive in Saudi Arabia, yeah, Laya Sands will be there. Awesome. All right, so it's time to say. Bye.